Lord, I have a plan, a purpose for every one of your lives. Father, we thank you. We thank you for you love the world enough to send your son to die a horrible death, to suffer tremendous persecution. But you did it because you loved all of mankind. And we thank you that your son is alive and well, seated at your right hand, and that the power, the authority, the dominion, and the love that he walked with, you have given to us. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, well, let's say it. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. And if I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbor, it's just that simple. It's good to see all of you in the house of the Lord today. My wife said that Megan Wilson put that entire video together for the background on the worship. Let's give her a hand. Great job, Megan. Now, if you have your Bibles, we're going to start reading in Hebrews chapter 12. I, I feel I have a, a message from the Lord today that God dropped in my heart that we're called to finish strong and that no matter what has happened in your life, the good, the bad, the ugly. Can I see the hands of the people that have experienced all three? Uh, we, we've, we've all been there for all three of them, but all of that's going to be used to strengthen us, and we're going to finish this race strong if we keep our focus where it belongs. And I want to encourage all of you. Pam did a series, not just because she's my beautiful wife, but uh, she did a series on Follow the Pattern. And it's absolutely awesome. I told her it's one of the most powerful series we've ever had in this church. And I encourage all of you, if you understand the pattern for your life, uh, it's going to bless you. I encourage you to get this if you haven't gotten it yet. Good to see Jerry and Karen back from Haiti. Maybe they'll share a little bit Wednesday if they're here. But uh, we're glad. Give them a hand. They had a great time. I don't know, you go into a devastated area, I don't know if you call it a great time or not, but you know what I'm talking about. You're glad that you're there and experienced it and got a chance to see it. But the message today is, is to finish strong and, and, and that no matter what's going on, the world is in a horrible mess. How many would you say amen to that? The world is in a mess. I believe America is in a mess. I believe the entire world, no nation accepted, is in a violent mess at this present time. And if we're not careful, we can get our focus upon governments. We can get our focus on things that that, uh, I believe are, we hope that they'll change, but they may not change. But we know this. We know that we've been given an assignment on this earth. Tell your neighbor, I have an assignment. And that if we focus on that assignment, I'm going to get hung up here. If we focus on that assignment, we're going to be okay. By the way, I meant to start off with a couple of funny stories I had. Some of you might have heard this one, but a little five-year-old teacher, uh, a, a Sunday school teacher of five-year-olds, <clears throat> was watching them give them an Easter project, and they were all coloring. And this one little five-year-old was coloring away there, and the teacher walked up and said, uh, uh, what are you coloring? I said, I'm, I am drawing a picture. I said, what's the picture of? I said, the picture is of God. And the teacher said, no one has ever seen God. And she looked up, the little five-year-old, and said, they'll know what he looks like as soon as I'm done with this picture. (laughs) 
But my favorite of the two that I heard was the little Sunday school teacher was putting candy in plastic eggs and getting them all ready to give to the children on Easter Sunday. And as she took them all in, she said, how many of you held the egg up? Said, how many of you know what's inside this egg? And one little boy said, pantyhose. (laughs) (laughs) You know... (laughs) You know, honey, I almost miss the days, almost. I do not miss them entirely, but I almost miss the days when I would be coming into church to do a Sunday service, and I'd get this frantic call from my beautiful wife, and she says, sweetheart, my hose have run. Would you, would you go through CVS and get me a pair of pantyhose on a Sunday morning? I always felt like a pervert. <laughs> Because I can never find the right size. You know, is this, they got 18 million types of pantyhose. And then there's another 18 million shades of pantyhose. And the one she wants always is on the bottom. So I am always, I'm thinking somebody's going to walk by and say, isn't that the pastor of Victory Christian Center? You haven't called me for a long time. Do you not wear them anymore? I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're not, if, if, if we're not careful, I'm speaking to myself. I know I'm speaking to myself. If we're not careful, we can get caught up in everything that's going on in the world. And I'm one of them. Pam will come in sometimes. She'll say, honey, you just need to take a break from Fox News. You just need to get away from there. And, you know, she didn't say it like this, but maybe get your head in the Bible instead of the Fox News. And she didn't say that, but I think that's what she's talking about. And I'm not so sure. I I am sure she's right. Because sometimes I get emotionally charged, and I can see myself even in a mirror. I'm not looking like Jesus, acting like Jesus, talking like Jesus, and projecting the love. I'm more concerned about this person or that person or how can they do this. How about that restaurant up in uh, northern Indiana that, that shut down? You, any of you been, how many of you have been following this story? It is amazing. I got a call from a guy in California asking me if he would send me $15 if I was close enough to go up and buy $15 worth of pizza from that place. <laughs> Well, they don't need $15. They have 800. They're over $800,000 now has poured in to help them in that whole situation. Now, you can look at, at all of the stuff going on in the, in the state and all this and say, well, we need a law here. We need a law there. We need this or we need this. Yeah, all those things are true, but the, there are so many voices out there. How many of you have ever heard somebody present something and say, yeah, that sounds right? And then somebody else says something, so well, yeah, that sounds right too. Well, shouldn't everybody, I mean, can you wave your hand if you know what I'm talking about? It's like, yeah, that sounds right, now that sounds right. It reminds me of a scene from one of my favorite movies of all times, Fiddler on the Roof. How many of you are a Fiddler on the Roof fan? Okay. Oh, how many of you have never seen Fiddler on the Roof? Oh, my goodness, you have missed life. Uh, <laughs> It is, a, it is a chronicle of the life of the Jewish people under the communist oppression. You need to watch that movie. But good news for you, you're going to see a little bit of it right now because this is the scene, if we're not careful, we're going to be in a situation where this thing is presented. Well, well yeah, that sounds right. Well, that sounds right. Well, yeah, that sounds right. And then roll it. Get some volume on it. You're not from this village. No. Where are you from? Kiev. I was a student in the university there. (laughs) Tell me, is 
Is that a place where you learned how not to respect your elders? Mm. That is where I learned there is more to life than talk. You should know what's going on in the outside world. Careful, my paper. Why should I break my head about the outside world? Let the outside world break its own head. Well put. <laughs> He's right. As the good book says, if you spit in the air, it lands in your face. <laughs> Nonsense. You can't close your eyes to what's happening in the world. He's right. He's right and he's right. They can't both be right. You know, you are also right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just love that movie. Maybe you just had to be there and see it. I don't know. But, but anyway, sometimes you'll hear this and we, yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, that's right. And that's right. Folks, we have to be focused on Jesus. And in Hebrews chapter 12, it tells us that we lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily tries to ensnare us and that we're going to focus upon Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith and that we're going to run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then, and if you focus upon Jesus, you're going to eventually be what and like what you focus on. Can you say amen to that? Turn to your neighbor and say, we need to focus now, it's all about love, and that's what the resurrection is all about. It's all about what Jesus did for each and every one of us so that we could be free to be what he'd want us to be. And there's a, there's a lot of sin in the world today. And if we're not careful, we can become sin conscious of all the things that are going on. That's not right, and that's not right, and that's not right, and that's not right. But folks, we are called to love the world. And in John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Jesus, you know the scripture, he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him, the world would be saved and that he would take away all of our sin and all of the things that try to capture us and ensnare us. We are here to be like Jesus. We are here to be like Christ. You know, when the little girl, uh, that little funny thing we shared there, shared the story, and said, well, they'll know what God looks like when I get finished with this. We are created in the image of Almighty God. If you want to know the image of what God looks like, turn to your neighbor and say, wow. Uh, just take a look at them, look them up, look them down, and say, we are all created in the image of Almighty God. Now, we are called to share the love of God everywhere that we go, staying focused on what God has called us to do and not deviating from the plan. Now, Pam ministered a series on the pattern. All of you have a, a separate pattern for your life that God has ordained. You will only be satisfied with life once you find out why you're on this earth and what you're called to be. And that pattern will fit you and you will go and prosper in that pattern. But we also have a master pattern that we're also called to fulfill and every one of us are to be alike. And that is that we are to be like Jesus. Romans 8.29 said that we are all called to be conformed to the image of Christ in everything that we do. The world should see us and want what we have. We are called to love the sinner. We are called to love the sinner, that person that is in sin. Not the sin, but the sinner, because that's why God came. Now, every single one of us have things in our life that we wish we hadn't done. And, and we're not doing them anymore, hopefully. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not, are you? Hopefully, we're not doing them anymore. But I can remember the day when, when my secretary 
who, who uh, Jean Grinnard, she's in heaven right now, but she used to try to tell me about Jesus, and she just drove me up a wall. And back then, my mouth was really bad. Uh, I, I just, it's really bad. And uh, a matter of fact, she told Pam once we started dating, she said, be careful, he's really got a foul mouth. But, uh, but, but it, I really did. But all she ever did was love me right in the midst of everything that I did. And eventually it was her love that penetrated my hard heart that led me to the man who told me about Jesus. If it hadn't been for her, I don't know where I would be today. But she never judged me and she never came against me. And back then, my morality was horrible. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And sometimes the more we get set free and the more we walk out the things that God has for us, the people that haven't arrived where we are, we can really become upset with them because of what they want to do or maybe even trying to justify who they are. But yet the Word of God says in 1 John 2, 6 that every person who has Jesus Christ in their heart should walk exactly as he walked. In other words, we should be walking and talking and acting like Jesus. And that no matter what people say about us, no matter what they try to do, legislation will never change the devil's plan. Does that make sense? Legislation will never change morality. You cannot legislate morality. And in this year, you know, the Senate Bill 101 or whatever it is that I'm for, uh, and the revision that they want to make to it, uh, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, They can do whatever they want. But if somebody came in here and wanted me to do something that was against my conviction of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I don't care what the law says. I'm not going to do it. Does that make sense? There is a time for civil disobedience. Now, don't go out and get a gun, start shooting people. But there's a time for civil disobedience. It's like, no, the Word of God says this, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, Well, we're going to abort every third child. No, we're not going to abort every third child. Well, what if they make a law? We're not going to follow the law. Does Does that make sense? And that we can get our focus on all of the things that, well, our government will make a law and everything will be okay. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. How about you? Um, it's not going to be okay because there's a law. I went through a, 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 a yellow red light today on the way to church because I was running late. Uh, I should have technically stopped, but I knew God wanted me to get here, so I went right on through. <laughs> when, we had the, when we had the church on... Uh, uh, on Teal Road. Uh, every time I go through a red light, Andy's there. Uh, I'm telling you, folks, it is true. I've gone through three or four of them. One day I sat down there on, on 52. I sat there so long, it was like months went by. And, and, and this light was red. And finally, I just went right on through the light. And this horn is honking in this truck. And I look, and there's Andy. Like this. He must be assigned to me. But, we hadn't, we hadn't been here too long, and I was coming down Teal Road, and we were down the lower level. And, uh, and I was probably, well, I was. The police officer said I was going too fast <laughs> because he pulled me over. And, and, he, and, he, and he said, do you know how fast you're going? And I said, not really. And he said, well, you're going awfully fast. He said, he said uh, what's your hurry? And I said, I'm trying to get to church. And he said, well, you can be a little bit late to church. That's not that big a deal. And uh, I said, well, it is, it is kind of big. And, and <laughs> 
and this is the conversation. And he said, what do you do there? And I said, I'm the pastor. <laughs> and he started laughing. He gave me a warning. That's my definition of a good police officer, they give you warnings. But, but we are supposed to walk like, talk like, and act like Jesus and not be drawn into the anger mode. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. Paul summed it up in, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, and he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And uh, I don't remember where I was. If I would, I'd tell you more details on this story. But I was talking to this person, and they were really angry about something. And I said, look, I love you. You have the right to be wrong. And, and they, they looked at me for a minute, and it was, you could tell it was digesting. Like, what did he say? And, and, and then they started to laugh, and I said, I know you're wrong. You don't yet, but you eventually will. How, how many of you realize that when you have the truth, you don't flaunt the truth. You share the truth in love. And that the love cannot be overcome by anything. Nothing can overcome love. Love is truly the greatest gift on the face of the earth. If we had in the body of Christ, I don't care what denomination you are, uh, Presbyterians, well, we're going to, you know, uh, ordain gays, lesbians, homosexuals, whatever, Presbyterian USA. And then this church over here, they're going to they're gonna divest everything from uh, Israel, and they're going to make sure that nothing that they ever have invested is going to go to help Israel. So, I'm upset with that church. I'm upset with those people. All we do is conform to the world. Does that make sense? You don't have to like what's going on in the world to continue to walk like Jesus and let it affect your continence. And Pam came into me one day, and I, I thank you for that. I thank God for a wife that is bold to speak up and share her mind. Oh, my God. <laughs> God knew exactly what I needed. God knew exactly what I needed. I don't always appreciate it, but I really always need it. Actually, I always do appreciate it. I just don't acknowledge it. I don't. But I do appreciate you. But she came in one day, and, and truthfully, I, I think I was going berserk. I, I, I think if I hadn't had eight cents, I could have gone on to be with Jesus right then. But because the blood flows so good anymore, it doesn't matter. And, uh, but, but anyway, but anyway I, I was, she, she came in, she said, honey, honey, you got to get control. You, gotta, you are out of control. What do you mean I'm out of control? What do you mean I'm out of control? And all of a sudden, I walked around, I looked in the mirror in the bathroom there, and I thought, whew, I think I'm out of control. <laughs> And, and I was off, frustrated, and upset. I just wanted to break something. Have you ever been there? Can I see the one hand? Yeah, one hand, two hands. Okay. You, if I could just break something, I'd be better. No, you think you'll be double worried. And, and we're called to be like Jesus. Now, I know this. When I have yielded to the Spirit of God and I'm on His game plan for me, I love who I am. But I also know what it's like when I take an offense or get upset or get angry about a situation or a circumstance. And I know that it takes me out of what God wants us to do. We're going to watch a video clip here. And it's, uh, I don't know why, when I see this, sometimes I cry. I love watching the Passion of the Christ. I try to watch that a couple times every year. And uh, every year it affects me the same way. And, uh, but it, it's the scene when the religious leaders were trying to constantly trip up Jesus. And it's the woman caught in adultery. 
And the only way in my study of the Bible I can compare it to where we are today is the most horrible sin that could happen in that era of time was adultery. It would be like the sordid, horrible things that you and I probably detest that are going on around the world and even in America today and that we are totally against. It would be in that category. And that there was a letter of the law. It would be like Senate Bill, that if you do this, and the letter of the law stated that anyone caught in the act of adultery would be stoned to death. It was the law. And the woman that you're about to see, if some of you have seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about, that was caught in the midst of the adultery by the religious leaders, by the authorities of that time, and knew that she should be stoned. And Jesus was walking around preaching on love and forgiveness, and they brought her to him because she was about to die. Let's watch this. A little more volume. Jesus, one by one, when he had said, those of you without sin in your life, they throw the first stone. And one by one, they laid their stones down because we're all sinners saved by grace. And that when the woman looked up at him, we don't, we don't know exactly what all the woman accomplished in her life, but I believe she probably accomplished a great deal for Jesus because of so much that she had been forgiven for. But he said to her something profound, woman, where are your accusers? She said, well, they're gone. And he said, neither do I condemn you. But then he didn't accept the sin. He said, go and sin no more. He did not condemn her, even though she was in the midst of her sin, But he forgave her and told her, don't do this again. 
but I don't condemn you. And in John 3.18, or 3.17, it said Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world would be saved. Every person on the face of this earth have the two same dominant desires, and that is to be loved and to love. <clears throat> I heard this preached years ago by T.L. Osborne, who at one time... Uh, had perhaps preached to more people on the face of the earth than anyone. And he was a regular at Victory in Tulsa, would come sometimes to teach in our Bible school. And his, his, all of his messages around the world were on love. And at the time he would preach, and this is back in the 50s, early 60s, he would have crusades of 50 to 100,000 people around the world. And I heard him share this many years ago, back in probably 1981, 1982. It said that every person on the face of the earth have two dominant desires, and they're the same desire. Number one is to be loved, and number two is to love someone. And that those desires were met through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that if every person on the face of the earth would walk with that love and share that love, no matter how it's received or not received, then the world would begin to change because people would want what you have. People, we have the answer for the world. Tell the person next to you, we have the answer for the world. It isn't a nation. It isn't legislation. It isn't a denomination. It is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And that everywhere we go, when we walk into that room, the Word of God in Isaiah says that we are the light to the world, and that arise, shine, let your light shine. And that the Gentiles, in Isaiah 60, verse 2, I believe it is, that it will draw the Gentiles, in other words, the unsaved people, to you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And I hope this comes out right, because... I don't want it to be about me. But how many of you know what I'm talking about? When you feel the love of Jesus, you sense it in you. You can feel it in your countenance. You can see it in your own eyes. And you can feel it. And that when you walk into a room, you can feel people drawn to you when you're on and walking like Jesus. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's not a personal thing. It's not you, but it's the Jesus in you. I know what that's like. I, I, there, I can feel that in my life when I'm really yielded to the Spirit of God because it's the Jesus in you and that other people of like faith will recognize it for what it is. But the people that will be drawn will be the people who are of the world. They will see you and they'll look. They'll, there's something different about you. And that we should be taking that everywhere that we go. And that if all of the church, the people who confess and profess that they know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, if they would walk like Jesus walked, if they would let that love flow, not judging all the things going on, not condemning all the things that are going on, but just loving people right where they are, it was Mahatma Gandhi, who was the great leader of India, who uh, was assassinated. And some missionaries were talking to him one day, and they were trying to get him to accept Christ. And, and he said, you know, I could accept this Christ that you all preach if it were not for one thing. And they responded, what's that one thing? Probably thinking, well, if we'll fix that thing, he'll accept Christ. And so if it were not for this one thing, 
And I said, what's that one thing? And it says, it's you religious people. You don't act like the person that you preach. And I believe if the body of Christ ever acted like, talked like, walked like Jesus, I believe people would be drawn to the church. People would want what we have because everybody wants to be loved. And in 1 John chapter 4, uh, we're going to be reading in uh, uh, verse number uh, 7, but it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. How many of you found some people are harder to love than others? One hand, two hands, my hand is up. (laughs) And then it goes on to say, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We love all of the people who love us, right? We love all the people who don't love us, right? No matter what anybody does, we love them in return. I want to give you one more scripture here in the book of Matthew. And Pam, I really, I've never said this to you, uh, but I really thank God for the balance that you are uh, for me and the things that you've sometimes shared to me and for me and with me, because I get carried away sometimes. I really do. Uh, with the news and with everything going on in the world. I really do. It's like, have you ever just wanted to wave this magic wand and make it all go away? Like, look, I got the answer here. I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to shoot you. Have any of you ever ever read The Act of War? I highly recommend it. It's, uh, we, 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 uh, I don't know if we still do or not, but we used to use it in our military. And it's a story about, uh, uh, doesn't fit the message at all, but it's a story. It's a story about a Chinese emperor, and the Chinese emperor couldn't get his concubines to mind, and uh, so the, the uh, uh, Sun Tzu, who was uh, a, f- a famous military man in the time, Sun Tzu said, "I can help you out if you want me to." And he said, "Well, what's that?" And he said, "It's real simple." He said, but, but you'll have to give me 100% authority, and I'll take care of it all. I said, when I'm done, not only the concubines mine, all your servants are mine, all your military will fall in line, and you'll never have a problem after this. He said, yeah, whatever. I said, okay. So the emperor finally said, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you can do that, I'm going to give you, I don't know, part of the kingdom or something like that. And he said, okay. So he brought all the concubines out and then lined them all up and told them, we're going to have short order drill right now, and told them what to do, and they laughed and giggled and didn't pay attention. They said, okay, we're going to try it one more time. They laughed and giggled again. He said, okay, next time you do that, I'm going to make an example out of one of you, but you won't like the example, but the rest of you will fall in line. And so they told them what to do again, they did what they did and laughed and giggled and did all the things. So he said, tell me, which is your favorite concubine? So he brought them up there. Said to the concubine, he said, now I'm going to cut her head off. And then as soon as I cut her head off, everybody else is going to fall in line. And uh, so the king said, the, the emperor said, no, you can't do that. That's my favorite concubine. He said, I don't care. Uh, you told me that I could have total authority. And so he cut her head off. And all the rest fell in line, and they never had a problem after that. Now, now I know, I, and now I know, 
Now, listen, this is how we use our military. If you ever read The Art of War, you'll understand. If you make enough example out of people, everybody will fall in line. But that's not the will of God. It's not to make an example of people. The will of God is that we would walk like Jesus walked, accepting people right where they are. Tell your neighbor, you can do this. Now, this is what it says in Mark chapter, uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You've heard it said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. How many of you think you have a few enemies? You probably have more than you think. So, uh, (laughs) bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. In other words, you never defend yourself. Never defend yourself if you're going to walk like Jesus that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do that? Tax collectors were despised during that period of time. Hadn't changed much to this day. <coughs> Verse 48 Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father is perfect in heaven. If you love those who hate you and persecute you and revile against you, you shall be perfect as your Father is perfect in heaven. That's why Jesus came. He wanted us to be just like him. And on the cross, in John chapter 19, verse 30, when Jesus came to the very end of his life and he said it is finished and in another section uh, another gospel it said that uh, father forgive them for they know not what they do the, the cross is empty at this very moment the grave is empty at this very moment and it is because Jesus Christ was willing to endure to the very end The mark of a man is not what he can accomplish in this life. The mark of a man and a woman is what he can endure. And the word endure means to stand firm under pressure. We have the greatest example of that in Jesus. And this world is going to become a pressure cooker. It is already. But if you'll make a decision to focus upon Jesus you're going to be okay. Let's watch these final two scenes right now. This is more of what Jesus looked like. Yeah, Dad.
Let's all stand. The grave is empty. Why did Jesus come? Because God so loved the world, and he so loved his creation that he wanted to fellowship with us, but he had to take away the sin. And then he wanted us then to become like the son that he sent. It was always God's will that we, created in the image of Almighty God, would be like him and fellowship with him. It was always God's will that once Jesus came and defeated the works of the devil, defeated sin, defeated powers and principalities, that we would become like his son because he always wanted us to be sons and daughters of him. The entire world is a family of God, either with God or away from God. Resurrection Sunday is a day of new beginnings, but it's also a day of new commitments. I want to be more like Jesus. And I know that deep in your heart, you do too. But this world will try to pull that from you. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? All over this church, I want to ask you the most important question that you'll ever answer. And that is, do you know that if you died today, you would go to be with Jesus? And if you're here and you'd say, you know, Pastor, I don't know. Or maybe you're here and you're like that prodigal son, that prodigal daughter. You've strayed away. Maybe you've been coming to this church for a while, but you really are not right with God. If that's you, I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand. We're going to pray for you. Anyone at all, you say, pray for me. I, I know my life isn't right. Looks like all of you are part of this church. Now, while we're still in prayer... I want to ask you this question because I know it sounds a silly statement, but until something changes, it doesn't change. It just continues on. You are like you are today because of your response and your reactions and your thoughts and your focus and just the way you are. But while we're in prayer, how many of you would say that you really need to change your focus and become more Christ-focused than you have been. Can I see your hands? My hand is up too because I know that the things of this world, even though I feel like I have a perspective of right or wrong, I feel like my focus has been too much on those and not on Jesus. How many of you would say the same thing? Now, I want all of you that that's you. We're going to pray this prayer. And I want you to pray after me. If this is the confession of your heart. Lord, forgive me for focusing upon the wrong thing. My total focus should be upon Jesus. I repent. And I ask you to help me to change the true desire of my heart is to be like Jesus, to love everyone, no matter how they treat me, 
I'll never defend myself, but I will share love. I will be compassionate. I will love those who hurt me. I will love those who say things about me. I will love those who curse me. Because in doing this, I will fulfill your plan and your purpose for my life. I know that's your desire, Lord. And I know that's my desire. Now, Father, I thank you for every person that prayed that prayer, that today is a new day, a new Resurrection Sunday. We will celebrate serving you, and we give you the praise and the honor and the glory in the precious name of Jesus.